Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. Man, that call from Chris Kerber, it just never gets old. Ever. Like, I I can't imagine ever getting tired of hearing that. This is Season 8, Episode 17, Franchise Episode Number 203 of Let's Go Blues Radio. This is the 16th episode of the Behind Enemy Lines Summer Series of... 2019. How about that, folks? We are over halfway done with uh, the Behind Enemy Lines series. That only means that hockey is closer than it is farther away. I don't know if that makes sense. But I think you know what I mean. We're more than halfway through the summer here. So, uh, exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Uh, I am your host, Jeff Ponder, in case you are unaware. Uh, that song that uh, you hear at the beginning of every show. Big thanks to the Wild and Free for the use of it. That song is Fire. That's uh, their hot new single. Came out uh, right at the start of the summer, I believe. And uh, check them out on YouTube and Spotify. Support local music. Can't stress that enough. Also, support your local PA guy. That is uh, Tom Calhoun, paguytom.com. Big thanks to him uh, for doing the, uh, the intro there. Please check out the letsgoblues.com shop. Consider buying a reasonably priced shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds go back into the show. Also, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, listen at letsgobluesradio.com. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating. Always helps. Thank you to everybody who's done that, and thank you to you if you are considering it. We could uh, always use it, so thank you. Well, this is uh, this is where we keep the party going, right? I guess I need to say it. Let's keep the party going. See, now this is going to be a little different because I don't have an email to read. Uh, I've been warning you guys that uh, we are out at the moment. Uh, the last one from Greg in Philadelphia was the last one we had. So if you want to get a email in for me to read and keep the party going, get it in now. And uh, I can read it on Friday's show uh, if you haven't done so yet. Um, that is uh, uh, radio at letsgoblues.com. Uh, if you want to go to letsgobluesradio.com, uh, go to any of the shows from the summer series, and uh, you will see a link there to uh, just click that. And it'll send an email automatically from here for your mail provider is uh to radio let's go blues.com just let us know about uh, how you're celebrating what the championship means to you your family your friends um it's it's been fun reading these if you uh, if you're new to the series here if you're new to behind enemy lines uh you need to uh, go back and listen to some old shows we've had some great emails from uh 16 of them to be exact from uh, listeners of the show and i'd like to still get some more in even though we didn't fill the quota of doing all 30 shows over the summer with an email from listeners um i still like to get 29 so if you can uh, get an email into us i'd love to read it so since there's no email to read i want to keep the segment going because it is a party right so i want to tell a little personal story of my own so uh sit back relax and here we go. This is non-scripted, by the way, so uh, hopefully I can tell it in a way that uh, will make people actually want to listen. So I have, uh, for those of 
been a part of, of Let's Go Blues Radio for a while. And uh, for those of you who uh, kind of followed my career a little bit, um, I love the media. Uh, I used to be in the media, and I know I've mentioned it on the show, so it's probably not really news to anybody. Um, but I did want to tell a little story um, that's going to seem like it's negative, but uh, don't worry, it ends in a positive manner. Um, so uh, just a real quick, and, and, and I've kind of shot away from kind of telling this side of things because I don't want to discourage anyone from getting in the media, nor uh, do I want people to think that the only negative uh, or the only experiences I had were negative in the media. Uh, to be honest, most were positive. It's just uh, the negative number of it wasn't it was more a uh, quality versus quantity um, more much more positive moments but the negative moments just outweighed those positive moments and, and that's why I decided to uh, part from the media in 2015 um, so I, I, I again I'm not gonna tell the whole story here but I just want to uh, we'll save that for another podcast another uh, another show in the future I'm, I'm sure this will come up again. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go into too crazy specifics here. But um, when I was 15 years old, I decided that I wanted to get into hockey media. Uh, that was my goal. Um, I knew at that point I wasn't good enough to to go professional. I knew the the highest level I'd probably play was uh, high school, maybe college, and um, I just knew, man, I, I want to be involved in the game. And, and you know, fast forward right now, I am very involved in in the game. I mean, my career, my podcast, I still play, everything is tied to hockey, so um, I, I, it, things worked out, but at the time I thought I wanted to write about hockey. I was always good at English, so uh, it just seemed like a natural fit for me. I started blogging, and, and lo and behold, I graduate college, um, got a couple interesting opportunities, uh, including going on the radio and, and blogging for various uh, uh, outlets. Um, so that turned into getting into the media, which was a huge deal for me. Um, still, I still consider it one of my biggest accomplishments. Um, you know, going from from being a you know non mainstream blogger, you know, a guy that uh, just kind of you know, I mean, shit. We talked about uh, starting this podcast in 2011 because there wasn't anybody talking hockey in in St. Louis. Um, and before that, I'd been writing since, like I said, I was 15 years old back in uh, uh, two, the year 2000 when I started. So I um, I wanted to get into the media. I knew it was something I wanted to do. It was, it was one of those things that I was sure that was what I was going to do with my life. Uh, so for 15 years until I was 30, that was the goal. My whole life. My whole life's goal. Um, so some negative things happen. Uh, again, I don't want to get into specifics, but um, yeah, uh, just things that made me not enjoy being in the media, and I wanted out. Um, the, again, just some some very very bad things with some coworkers. Um, just again, I, I I don't want to say too much, but um, some some backstabbing people. You get that in every industry, I know, but uh, this was just on a whole other whole other level um and uh and then it was just you know other things other factors of you know me having a kid and not being able to to keep up with the lifestyle of being a, a reporter and, and you know having a, a child that uh has special needs that uh, it just made it too difficult and so i had left i left media and like i said mostly i had a lot of negative that happened um in the summer of 2015 to the point where and keep in mind this was the first time the blues played the wild in the first round when they lost um, and uh, Jake Allen had kind of a poor performance um, and uh, this was before right before they went to the Western Final in 2016 so they had lost to the Wild and, and I will say when I started realizing that I needed to get out was when I was kind of rooting against the Blues I wanted the season to end I wanted the Wild to I mean yeah there's the, the side of me the fan of me Hey, you know, I want to see the Blues succeed, but at the same time, I was like, man, I summer needs to get here. I need to get away. I want this to end. And when that starts happening, I knew that that means something's not right. Um, you know, I've been a Blues fan my whole life. Got a Blues tattoo. I talk all the time how important the Blues are in my life because of what my father and I went through together as Blues fans. You know, everybody can relate to that. Listens to the show. 
Um, and so it just didn't feel right. So I knew I wanted to get out. So I got out. Blues lost, I believe, in six games in Minnesota. Uh, it was on, I think, on Easter Sunday when they lost. And I remember sitting at my mom's house and kind of like, you know, kind of styming how excited I was that they lost because I'm like, I'm done. I, 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 I got to get away. And that was the day I decided that because um, I had many sleepless nights thinking about it and I wanted out. And, uh, I, you know, I announced it uh, on my own personal channels for a couple, uh, uh, you know, for a couple people who I know that were following me that, that loved the, the writing I did and uh, the radio work I was doing. I was on uh, TMA in the mornings and uh, just a lot of fun stuff. But like I said, the negatives way outweighed it. This is already going way longer than I was planning on. Uh, but um, so it was just a weird summer. The Blues lost, and part of me was excited because it was done. It was over. Um, you know, obviously, my career was in a weird spot because I was I had just turned 30 years old. And, you know, for the last 15 years, I this was the plan. And now it was done. And that plan was gone. And so I felt very, very strange. And it was weird because it was like I didn't want the next season to start. I, it was weird because I, I was, I, I just didn't want hockey to come back. Um, I had stepped away from it. It's the first time in my life that I was not, you know, oh my God, what's going on? You know, July 1st, just staring at the computer. What are the Blues going to do? What are other teams doing? What are the Wild? What are, all the teams in the division? It was the first time I didn't feel that way. And I was really like, oh man, am I not going to be a fan anymore? It was so weird for me. Uh, to be feeling that way. Um, and so then uh, the next season rolls around. Training camp comes around. I'm still paying attention, but, you know, kind of not really, you know, not even a part of me was like, oh, I kind of want to go down. And, you know, I, I wanted to stay away from the Blues uh, because, you know, obviously I, I know a lot of people that work in the organization. I know a lot of the media guys, obviously, and um, a lot of them had kind of known what, what had happened and what was going on. And, I just didn't want to be around it. Um, so I, I didn't even want to go. And uh, I had a, early in the season, I had friends that were inviting me to games, and I was like, yeah, I don't really want to go. I don't want to go down to Scott Trade. And, again, just weird, very weird for me. Um, but, you know, then things quickly started to change. Um, you know, when you're in the media, you don't you, you kind of lose the whole fan aspect. So, you know, even when uh, there was away games and I was sitting at home watching games with my wife, I wouldn't really celebrate when the Blues would score, uh, but then you know, you know, I was I was excited, you know, like oh, okay, the Blues scored, but you know, it wasn't like a you know fist pump and you know maybe some overtime goals here and there I would, but you know most goals and that I wasn't you know just, okay you know whatever all right I, you know take notes so I can write about this later, um, but it slowly started to come back, and I would say by mid November of 2015. I was already like, okay, yeah, uh, I still love hockey. And, you know, and I had still been playing and, you know, obviously hockey was uh, very important to me still, but uh, in terms of playing, but uh, I mean, all my best friends play hockey and uh, I did. I fell love, fell back in love with hockey. And it's just so funny because I look back at that time in my life when I was so confused about what I wanted to do and, you know, how excited am I going to be for the Blues it came back. I mean, it didn't come back right away. It took me a little bit longer um, than I actually thought it would. Uh, you know, because in the back of my mind, I knew, oh, you're you're gonna be a fan still, you know. And and obviously, I'm still doing the podcast at the time, so that kind of helped talking to Curtin Bill and you know getting my love back for the game. But I mean, it was I couldn't be mad at hockey. You know, as upset as I was that some things had happened to me in my professional career. I couldn't hold it against hockey. I can't do that. So it was just so funny to think now, like, there was a part of me that was like, actually, uh, am I done? Am I not going to watch the Blues anymore? Am I not going to go to games? No, that, there's no way. So getting that love back, and, and you know, now, you know, I'd say after that season, um, it started to really come back to where, you know, when the Blues would score a goal, I'd get excited, you know, and uh, the, the whole media side of me had left. So it was, it just was instant, not instant, but, but pretty close to instant that the love came back and I can't ever be mad at hockey. It's such a great sport and seeing the blues do what they did this last summer. It, it's just, 
it was so emotional and it just made me feel so great to see all those guys be able to celebrate. And then honestly, to see guys that I worked with, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Jeremy Rutherford, Lou Korak, see the, those guys put in so much work. And, and, you know, I know that they're not the ones that technically won, but like, they're excited. That's exciting to see them, you know, and, and same thing, you know, Chris Kerber, uh, Darren Pang, all those guys, they, they, they're such great guys. They know the game well, and it's just so much fun to see them be able to be a part of it. Yeah, I wish I would have been, you know, it would have been great if they would have done this when I was in the media, but you know what? No regrets. Um, I'm happy to be a fan again. I love it. Uh, it's just so much fun. Uh, just watching the Blues and seeing what they're doing. And then, uh, again, just uh, getting back into the side of being a fan. And, and oh, my God, I can't believe it. They actually won the Stanley Cup. Uh, I still catch myself thinking that at least two or three times a day. So I'm sure that I'm not the only one that thinks that. See, this is what happens. When you guys don't email me, I go on rants. I talk about stupid things that nobody cares about. And, yeah, so email in. So I don't do this again on Friday because... I don't, you know, people aren't going to listen to me talk to Chad D. Diminisus now. Because, you know, there's ugh, that guy just doesn't stop talking. Shut up. Nobody cares. Well, you're going to care now. Because we're going to talk to Chad from Die by the Blade podcast and uh, Beyond the Blade, which is a great blog site for anyone who's interested in the Sabres. Uh, this interview was recorded on April 1st, so this was long before the Blues won the Stanley Cup. This was... Uh, before the playoffs even started. So I think this is the second interview I did on this series. So uh, enjoy my talk with Chad, friend of the show, from Die by the Blade podcast. Today we are talking Buffalo Sabres, and I am joined by Chad D. Dominicis of the Die by the Blade, which is uh, he's the managing editor of, uh, and uh, also Beyond the Blade podcast, which can be found at DieByTheBlade.com. Before we get to uh, Chad, I do want to list off a, a couple stats here that might be of importance to anybody who uh, uh, finds uh, uh, Blues and Sabres lore interesting. Uh, the Blues' all-time record against the Buffalo Sabres. They are, uh, in 120 games played, they are 60-46, 13-1. Uh, the 13 is ties. The 1 is an overtime loss. Uh, first meeting was back on October 1st, 1970. That was uh, in St. Louis. That was a 4-1 win for the Blues. I know we all remember that game so well. Uh, Chad, thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, uh, hopefully, I, I know there's a lot to... There's some... We, we've we scrounged up a lot to get to here. But uh, I know that, that it's not, it wasn't easy for us to come up with topics. No, no, not at all. But... Uh... Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff here. It's it's funny listening to a little intro there on the uh, numbers. I thought it'd be funny to share here that uh, the Sabres have lost, have won one of the last 15 games uh, in that one victory was against the Blues in overtime. Or in the shootout, I'm sorry. In the so shootout, kinda, yeah. Kind of uh, that was That was in Buffalo, was it not? That was a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Wow, so yeah. That's... In the last 15 games. That's the Blues. <laughs> wow. I did not know that. Well, thank you for that tidbit of information. <laughs> Uh, yeah, obviously there's some recent uh, things that I want to get to talk about here with you uh, that, that we actually had you on the show last summer to discuss, but mm-hmm. we'll we'll get to that a little later. Uh, first thing that 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 I want to talk about, just because I want to get it out of the way, because it's not it it's not a fun thing to talk about, really, especially for those of you who've played the game. Uh, obviously, goalies, you know, back in the day, uh, they didn't wear helmets. Then they wore helmets, but then they didn't wear the neck protectors. And this was right in that time frame shortly after I think you started seeing a lot of the neck protectors in the NHL. Uh, so, again, something that, that uh, uh, Chad, we don't have to talk too closely about because it's it's still to this day. I mean, 30 years have passed and it's still just not a fun discussion. Clint Malarchuk, the Buffalo Sabres goaltender, uh, he had a there was a collision in the goal crease. It left his jugular uh, jugular vein sliced. It just hurts me to say that uh, by a skate. And uh, basically, this was in Buffalo. Uh, it it the rink just went dead silent. Uh, players on the ice went silent. Um, and the ambulance uh, ambulance. Wow, that's a total <laughs> East Coast way of saying things. Um, uh, but 
No, when an, an ambulance uh, raced to the hospital, Mallerchuk had asked paramedics, can you head me back for the third period? So that just goes to show you <laughs> the love of the game that these guys have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was released from the hospital the next day, and he's back in goal just a couple of weeks later. Chad, I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm sure if you didn't see this, you've at least heard stories about it. Uh, what do you remember of the Mallerchuk incident? Yeah, uh, honestly, not much because I was one years old. Um, okay, so there you go. Much I, so I, I've heard stories of it. Uh, I know of it. You know, I mean, the way I can equate it here, it's um, I was in the building with something similar. I was actually a season ticket holder. Uh, if you remember a few years back when these, a similar thing happened to Richard Zednick. Uh, oh, yeah. I was actually in the building and at the game for that. And believe it or not, I just said that and I have chills sitting here. And then that's how much it, it, it gets to me. It, like I said, the building is, it was dead silent. It was scary, horrific. I mean, it, it's, it, it's scary to talk about. I played hockey for, you know, I'm 31 years old. I played hockey 27 years of my life. And, you know, and that just, it, it scares you. You know, it's one of those freak things that happens. You know, I mean, you see it sometimes all players will get it in the, you know, they'll get it in their leg, you know, they'll get the Achilles thing sometimes. But the ones in the neck, man, I mean, I think there's only been really two of them, uh, at least serious ones. And yeah, it's it's hard to talk about. And the large like, thing, like I said, isn't, I don't have a lot of memory of, but that Zednik thing sticks with me to this day. I, I can close my eyes and I could see it clear as day. The whole thing happening in the corner, Ole Jokin and Skate goes up, hits him in the neck, and just, yeah. I mean, the, I, I remember the stories of the doctors rushing out of the stands. So you kind of knew where the doctors sit during games because they came flying out of the stands, jumped over the into the bench. So it was, it was nuts. It was a scene. And, uh, yeah, it's like I said, it gives me chills, and it's it's really hard to talk about. Yeah, I I remember that specific play with Richard Zednick. I was watching that live as well. I mean, I wasn't in the stands, but uh, yeah, that was whoa, man. I was watching that. And I just I turned my head. I mean, you know, we all know about the the uh, Joe Theismann and all those those horrific injuries yeah, we've yeah. seen over the years. Uh, that's just one that I see, and I'm just. Ooh, I mean, you see the blood come down. I remember even the announcer in the Mallerchuk incident of the replays I've seen, um, just saying, "Get the camera off him." You know, I mean, nobody yeah. wants to see that. So yeah. it's- I remember during the Zednik thing, uh, Rob Ray he's between the benches, and you could say, you know, I watched back the video after the game, and you you could hear him immediately. He starts calling for the trainer, like on the Sabres bench. You can hear him like on the, over the broadcast, calling for the Sabres trainer by name. Ooh. So it's it it was nuts. I mean, you know, Zednik to his credit, I think he saved his own life. Now he got up, put his hand in his neck, and skated to the bench. I think if he laid there, um, no, that could have been bad for him. So that's it's crazy, and it, it's good in the wherewithal for him to do that in, in a way, like I said, possibly save his own life. So it's it's crazy, crazy. Yeah, not something you think uh, you think that somebody would have the presence of mind to do, but at the same time, I mean, you uh, you got to figure that that instinct kicks in. Right, like, exactly. Oh wow, I got to do something about this because it is coming. Uh huh. All right, let's let's uh, let's move away from that. Let's not talk about that anymore. Because <laughs> I'm with you. I I've been having chills the whole time we've been discussing it. Uh, so it's so, so a little happier note. I want to talk about a a pretty famous player in Buffalo Sabres history and a guy who was uh, born and raised in St. Louis till he was seven years old, and that would be Pat Lafontaine. Uh, Pat Lafontaine, for those who don't know, grew up in the Kirkwood area, so actually right down the street from where I'm at right now, and uh, uh, talks about how. He uh, he remembers playing on an outdoor ice rink out here in Kirkwood, which I will tell you I don't think exists anymore. Because otherwise, I would be going to it all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, Pat uh, Pat Lafontaine, one of my favorite players of all time. Not just because he's from St. Louis, uh, just one of those guys that I think he has stayed away from injury. He got away from concussions. We'd probably be talking about this guy right. uh, having the best American numbers, and then probably up there. Uh, in terms of top five, top ten all time in the NHL, he is a Hall of Famer from 2003. Uh, what are your memories of Pat Lafontaine? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember like you know the back end of his career briefly. Um, you know, again, he was around when I was still younger. You know, with the Sabers and just kind of getting into the game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was you know he's a special player. His numbers hanging in the rafters here in Buffalo. Um, you know, when you talk about some of the best players in franchise history with the Sabers, you know. It, it's not long before you get to LaFontaine. So it's, yeah, I mean, he was an incredible player to watch. You know, he, he had that skill, the ability to score goals. And, you know, I remember him, 
you know, when they closed the odd and they moved to HSBC or Marine Midlands, what they first called it. It's the same building that it is now. It's been named five times. Uh, you know, he shoots the puck in the net and the lights go out in that building. And you know, the next year they move across the street. So, you know, I kind of have that fond memory too of LaFontaine. And, you know, you can't forget too that uh, he came back as the uh, director of hockey operations for a brief period. Uh, I, I guess he's the guy in a way who kind of kicked off the still infamous tank here in Buffalo right? Uh, with hiring Tim Murray. And then um, there was some sort of, some sort of thing right out of the blue. He left. Uh, we still to this day don't really know the reason. Power struggle, disagreement, disagreement with Murray, something. We have no idea. He signed a non-disclosure agreement, and we'll probably never know. So that was kind of a weird brief stint back with the Sabres he had there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as a player on the ice, you know, he's he was one of the best in the organization's history. And, uh, you know, he was a special player during his time. It's it's always funny when Blues fans, uh, you know, we talk about players now. You know these these guys who have who have made it to, uh, you know, the NHL, the the Kachucks and and the players like that. You know, the Kachucks, the yeah, uh, yeah. even the Chris Butlers, the the Pat Maroons. Um, you know, in that draft the Blues had a couple of years ago with Clayton Keller, where yeah. all these uh, Blues players or all these St. Louis players were. Uh, we're getting picked and people say, you know, Oh, well, the greatest St. Louis player of all time is Pat LaFontaine. He moved here and he was seven. It's hard to, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he was with, he was, he moved to Detroit, the motor city. That's where he played all of his hockey. Um, yeah. It's, it's a nice thought to call him a St. Louis guy, but right, at the right. end of the day, uh, you know, he's really not, but uh, again, somebody that I think a lot of St. Louis does just have a, a special hot a spot in their heart because of, uh, what he was able to do at the NHL level. Was there any hate for him because he went to a rival, uh, including uh, once he left the Sabres? No, I don't think so. Uh, no. no, I mean, I mean, it, it's always, you know, it's the same thing. Uh, when Breer left, went to the Flyers, and Drew left and went to the Rangers. You know, there's always some animosity at first, you know, but, I mean, over time you get over that kind of thing and you appreciate uh, a player for who he was and what he did when he was with that with your organization, so. Yeah, I don't think there was any angst over that. I, I mean, I think <laughs> there's more angst about him coming back as a, the uh, direct, uh, ho- director of hockey operations. He keeps stumbling over that word. And <laughs> um, and what brief decisions he made uh, that kind of, in a way, set the Sabres down the path that they're on now. But I think there's more angst over that in that situation than what happened when he was a player. So uh, another player uh, that, uh, that that's big in Buffalo Sabres history and then kind of a, a, a little cliff note at the end of his career joined the St. Louis Blues but again another guy that I always really enjoyed watching and and uh, was excited when he came here and then upset when he really didn't do much as a blue but at the end at, again end of his career that's Dale Howard Chuck um, I know that that might have been a little bit before your time but uh, how is he remembered in Buffalo yeah I mean he's a you know I think he's more known for his time with the Jets, but, uh, you know, he's, he had some good moments and good seasons in Buffalo. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be at a, I think a brief, uh, stint here, but yeah, I mean, again, he's another guy that when you really get to the best players to wear a Sabres Jersey, he's in that conversation. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's only good memories of him around here. Uh, like, like you said, it was a little before my time. So I didn't really get to watch him play or know a lot about him, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's still, you know, a great respect for the player that he was, you know, what he was able to do for this franchise when he was here and how big of a player he was. So I, I know from talking with, you know, my mom, who was a big Sabres fan at the time, I was telling me that Howard Sharp was a favorite player. So, uh, and other people have told me too, older people that I know that, you know, he was an important part of the team. So from their aspect, I guess I'll talk from here. You know, he's, he's well-respected and, you know, had, had a good career with the Sabres. Um, and then uh, another player that uh, you remember more as a Buffalo Sabre than a St. Louis Blue, but uh, somebody who was kind of a big signing in St. Louis when he came here, and that was Jay McKee. And uh, the reason I bring him up is mostly because I want to talk about that 1999 Cup team or uh, Stanley Cup final team. <laughs> uh, yeah, should have been Cup team, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, we, uh, uh, I, I want to ask you about Jay McKee. Now, when he got to St. Louis, obviously, like he was in Buffalo, he was a shot blocker. He was yep, a defensive yep. guy, um, you know, good, solid player. 
Uh, but but he was kind of remembered in St. Louis and, and well, because at the time and it was justified, he signed a very large contract here. And it was that? just, yep. yep. And it was just like defensive defenseman. You're going to lock him up for a long time. Yeah. And uh, I believe he was the Blues first buyout. Um, yeah. I could be wrong on that, but yeah. So, so that he kind of has a negative history here in St. Louis. How's, how's, uh, how does that relate to, to, what people think of him in Buffalo. You know, Jamie Keyes loved. He is, you know, a lot of people still talk about him and like him. You know, he was a solid defenseman he was here. The uh the one thing that he is most prominently known for though, uh, is an unfortunate situation. Uh the Sabres where were I'll to this day say that the two thousand six Stanley Cup the Carolina Hurricanes won rightfully belongs to the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, they were the best in the league that, that year. Uh, during the playoff run, they lost Tim Connolly, who was having a great year. They lost, I think it ended up being four defensemen. Uh, still pushed the Hurricanes to a game seven. And the day before, or even I think it maybe the game day, but it might have been the day before, uh, it came out that Jay McKee had a staph infection from a cut he got from blocking a shot in game six. Or I think it was in game six that he didn't probably take care of, got a staff infection, uh, didn't play that game. So the Sabres basically rolled five defensemen uh, from their minor league affiliate and one full-time defenseman they hit all season long. And then they end up losing, uh, I think it was four to two uh, to the Hurricanes in game seven. And Carolina goes on to win the Stanley Cup against the Oilers. But if the Sabres would have been healthy, stayed healthy, not lost five defensemen, on the run, uh, I to this day believe that would have been their first in the cup in franchise history. But I, I still think they beat Carolina if they had Jamie Key in that game. And I think a lot of people agree with that. And he's most prominently known for that, unfortunately. But nonetheless, he's still uh, you know, a well-respected player around here. He's he's around for the alumni stuff. Um, so, you know, he, I mean, he's doing a great job coaching right now. There's even some talk with Phil Housley possibly out of, the picture here with the way these are going and then if the Sabres promote uh, their AHL coach right now, which is a possibility that there's been some talk of maybe hiring McKee as the AHL guy. So it's, you know, that kind of gives the idea of how much people still look up to him and appreciate him here. Yeah, we should, uh, I should probably mention now uh, that we are recording this show on April 1st. I have no idea when it's going to air. Like I said, with uh, every other episode I'm recording, hopefully, we're talking at least June or July because maybe that means the Blues had a long playoff run. So we will see. But uh, yeah, so there's, a, I guess there's a chance there that maybe uh, by the time this airs, Jay McKee is a, a part of uh, the AHL coaching staff. So we'll see. But um, yeah, something I always liked about Jay McKee is, you know, he wasn't the most fleet of foot. Um, and I think that the only problem people had with him was his contract, which you really can't blame him. I mean, right, at the end exactly. of the day, at the end of the day, you know, we could sit here all day and talk about how the, the Blues were uh, or how uh, Eric Brewer was one of the worst defensemen in Blues history. But at the end of the day, if he wouldn't have signed a ridiculous contract, he would just be a small footnote in Blues history. Yep. So yep. it's the same thing with Jay McKee. You know, a lot of people have angst towards him. People still talk about that's uh, one of the worst contracts the Blues have ever signed. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, he was always uh, leading the team in, in blocked shots. He was always a guy that uh gave us all and yeah he wasn't going to score your goals but man he was mean defensively he, he you didn't get in front of his net with him big guy um yeah. you know he wasn't like a Chris Pronger type but i mean he you know he he held his own against some of the best guys in the league and uh just a guy that never seemed to give up on the play yeah your prototypical defensive defenseman is what he was yep Exactly. Yep. And I appreciate that about him. So uh, I am not a Jay McKee hater, but uh, <laughs> I know good. some people listening to this might be so. <laughs> um, and there, again, the reason I wanted to bring him up and we're going to get to something that a lot of people have told me I need to make sure to talk to you about and <sighs> something that, that was my first thought when I said I wanted to talk to you. Uh, 1999. Now, to, to paint the picture, Dominic Hasek is just at this point, in my opinion, the best goalie in the NHL. Um, And, you know, you got a defense, again, of Jay McKee, Jason Woolley, uh, guys like that. And then you got guys up up front who are just grinding it out. Uh, uh, Michael Pecco was on that team, was he not? He was, yep. Hardest working team in hockey. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stu Barnes, another guy yep. that I always respected as a Fix player. Ward, yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, Shatan, was he not on that team too? Shatan, Jitnik, yep. 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 Yeah, just a great all-around team who I respected. And um, I – so at this point, for Blues fans, this was the season after uh, Brett Hall left the Blues. And it was kind of a divided city at this point. Um, you know, half of us were saying – well, hopefully Hall wins one because, you know, it'd be good to see a, a perennial St. Louis Blue win the cup like that. However, there were people like me who said, God, I want to see you lose. You left the Blues. <laughs> I want to see you fall. And uh, that's uh, so that was the side I was on. And uh, and we'll see who agrees with me when this episode airs. But uh, so he scores the big goal. I mean, and, and I'll say, too, before I get to the goal itself, and, and I'll let you comment on this, too. That was some of the best hockey I have ever seen that series. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe, maybe that's why that goal was so infuriating because I thought games that was game six. They scored that goal Correct. Yep. game one through five. And then he went all the way through game six. Cause that went into overtime. Some of the best hockey I've ever seen. And to this day, if you look it up on YouTube, I recommend it because it was hard hitting. It was fast. It was, I mean, the goaltending was insane between Belfour and Hasek. Yep, yep. Great hockey all around. For you as a Sabres fan, what was that like to witness? Yeah, that's one of my first, uh, you know, real memories as a Sabres fan. Uh, I remember the uh, the game one overtime winner by Jason Woolley. Uh, Rick Jenneret, the longtime announcer here, uh, dubbed it the shot heard around the world. So that was, yep. that's one of the memories that I had still. But, yeah, yeah, I, I uh, it, it was – you know, for what was I for an eleven-year-old? Uh, you know, that was certainly that was certainly tough. It, it hits you in, in the feels right away when it happened. But uh, yeah, it, it's I don't know, the the way I, even on Twitter we're talking. You know, really the, the way I described it is, uh, you know, Brett Hall he is a dirty, dirty cheater that put his foot in the crease, <laughs> and that's pretty much all you need to know about it. No, no, but seriously, you know, it's it, it's tough. You know, it, it's for an organization, a franchise that's had so many. I guess you could say bad luck moments. So this is another, that's just a cherry on top, you know. And, and then the next year, uh, they lose to the Penguins in Game 7, I think in the Eastern Conference semifinals, I want to say. Maybe it was the quarterfinals, I don't remember. Uh, and then Hasek's gone, and that's kind of it for the Sabres, really, from there until uh, they get back on the horse again early or in the mid-2000s. So, yeah, it's it's a stinging memory. Uh, it's to this day something that fans have not, and I'm not sure ever will let go of. Um, and there's always going to be resentment against the Dallas Stars and Brett Hall in particular, and that's just the way it is. Brett Hall will never have a free meal in Buffalo, and <laughs> I think he knows that. So that's just, that's just the way it rolls now. Yeah, he tweeted uh, a picture. I remember a couple years ago of him. Uh, it's a like a shirt he was wearing that called him a, him a cheater, and uh, he was holding a little fake Stanley Cup. And he's these are all for all my Buffalo fans. So yeah, he he knows he yeah, knows that yeah. he is uh, kind of public public enemy number one still out there. Uh, now and now and, and this is something my my co-host Kurt Price had had tweeted to you uh, earlier today. Now now obviously this was the year for those who don't remember where it was the terrible, terrible one year where the the NHL had that ridiculous uh, rule where you're not allowed to be in the crease at all for a goal. So if the puck went in the net, instantly the goal was taken away. Yep. Um, All year we saw goal after goal after goal get take away. I mean, announcers throughout the year were saying this rule will be gone in the summer. It was pretty obvious that it just was not, what the league wanted because at that point we're talking about one nothing two one games every single night the, yeah, the league wants the league goal was. scoring yep. Yep. yeah yeah this was the dead puck era so they yep. wanted goal scoring so not only are you getting low goals already you're getting goals taken off the board left and right uh so then the Brett Hall goal happens and I mean uh, you know you can argue if he had puck possession or whatever but the NHL's ruling was if you have control of the puck you're allowed to still uh, uh, you're allowed to still be in the crease as long as you have control of the puck. Now that's an argument that that I will probably agree, you'll probably agree with me on that I will say 
he did not have control of the puck. No, it was but a even, rebound if I remember properly, right? It was a rebound. Yes, yes, it was. It was a rebound, and then his skate goes in the crease, and then he pokes it in. So, yeah, yeah. it was It was not. But even so, do you remember any point in that year? Now, I know you were 11 years old, but but you know maybe anyone you, you have talked to about that year, do you remember any time where that rule actually came into play besides that goal? No. Yeah. No. Me neither. I mean, it, it equates to, for me, I mean, to tie it back to now, it's, you know, it, it's wait till a prominent playoff game decided by a goaltender interference call or an offside challenge. You know, yep. That's in a way, you know, that's you know, that, that's the kind of the same situation to equate it to now. So it's, thankfully the NHL, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, but, you know, odds are in the favor that we're going to, we're going to see that moment eventually and, you know, see kind of what happens from there. But yeah, no, I can't remember anything anything like that but you know it's funny the one year they have it in let it be the Sabres luck that that's how a Stanley Cup yeah. is decided against them at that situation I still remember the call on ESPN when um uh they were it was Gary Thorne and Bill Clement yeah uh might have been on Fox uh, either one it was the same announcers and um I remember uh Gary Thorne coming with that explanation and just saying okay here's the ruling from the NHL because you know at that point you know, I think you'll agree that the celebration already started. Players yeah, have on the ear. ice. Yep, yep. Yep, everyone's on the ice. There's no way they're going to review it at that point. Right. So you know the NHL League office or Toronto or wherever was scrambling, okay, what are we going to do to justify this goal? Yep. And so they came up with that excuse, and Gary Thorne reads it on air. And I remember just hearing the disbelief even in his voice and then Bill Clement not saying anything after he said that. <laughs> and I just thought, they don't even believe it. I mean, <laughs> like, that yeah. just goes to show you how bad of a moment that was, how black mark of a moment that was in NHL history. Yeah. Ugh. yeah, Tough it's stuff. Tough. I it's feel that. for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, combine them, all the bad luck we've had here. Uh, like, I, like I mentioned earlier, with the losing four to five defensemen when – uh, you appear to be on the cusp of a, of a cup run, and now when you throw that on, it's just it's been the Sabres of the franchise. It's always so close, but not quite. That's that's kind of their that's kind of their motto. Yeah, well, they've gotten closer than the Blues have. Let's put it like that. At least you won a game <laughs> in the finals. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, so I want to get to a, a big goalie trade between the two teams that uh, that happened here uh, just a couple of years ago. But before we get to that, something that actually. Just came to mind as we were talking about Dominic Hasek. Um, I'm not sure if you, if people in Buffalo are as aware as those in St. Louis. Now, when Dominic Hasek was traded, um, he had a no trade clause at the time, correct? Uh, yes, I believe so. So he he basically got to choose his destination. Yep. Were you aware that the Blues had made a pretty good offer to get him? Uh, no, I was not. I uh, the only thing I really remember about the Hasek trade uh, is. They got Kozlov back as part of a main piece of that. Yep. And he then orchestrated his departure out of Buffalo the next year because he hated it here. <laughs> That's probably what I remember from that trade. That feels, that must feel rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't remember the exact trade. I'm actually going to try and, uh, I'm going to try to find it as we're talking. But, uh, I do know that the trade was, uh, going to include Pavel Dimitra. Uh-huh. to the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I think it was Demetra and then a couple draft picks. And at that time, Pavel Demetra uh, was kind of a perennial point scorer. I mean, that guy was was closing in on 100 points pretty much all every chance he got. Um, yep. You know, like 94 points, I think it was his career high. And yeah, it, uh, so knowing that now, Instead, you got Victor Kozlov because that was denied by Hashik. He said, no, I want to go to Detroit. Yep. Um, does Kozlov that change has... your opinion of Dominic Hashik at all? No, I don't think so. I, mean, the trade was, I found it. The trade was Kozlov, a first-round pick, and future considerations. But, uh, I mean, to go to Detroit. But it's – no, I mean, he's – you know, it, it took a while for the organization to kind of bring him back uh, – you know, to bring him back as an alumni. And I think there was some resentment in the organization uh, around that. You know, they, it, it took Terry Pagula buying the team a few years ago for them to bring him back into the picture. Uh, he's been around more now. They retired his number a few years ago. So, 
I think there was some resentment on the part of the organization uh, where fans themselves, you know, maybe at the time they were upset was, you know, with him orchestrating his own trade and deciding where he's going to go and limiting their options. Sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's the best goaltender in franchise history. Nonetheless, maybe one of the best goaltenders to ever play the game. So, you know, there's an appreciation for what he meant to this organization and what he even did for this organization. You know I mean? There were some rough times in the, uh, in the early two thousands, you know, with the, you know, there were gears and their scandal and not having an owner until Galasano bought the team. And then there was talks of the Sabres leaving here. So it's, you know, I think he was an integral part of, you know, making the organization what they were, at least making him at the time a competitive team for the most part, an all way competitive team for the most part. He was here pretty much the entire time. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of appreciation for what he is. I don't think there's any resentment. At any point, from the fan standpoint, like I said, I think the organization resentment kind of cleared up a few years ago. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Dom's a great guy. I've talked to him once or twice. You know, he's in the press box. I've seen him over the, over the last couple of years, and he's a cool guy to chat with. You know, he's, he's a good, you know, down-to-earth guy. So uh, I, I love his accent, his Chuck accent. It's kind of cool to talk with him, try, try not to, I don't want to say laugh, but kind of smirk as he's talking. So, you know, he's a, he's a good guy, and, you know, I'm, I'm a lot of people appreciate and still have love for him. I can imagine. I mean, uh, you know, something that uh, – Blues fans uh, uh, can tell you there's really never been a a true uh, uh, franchise goaltender here. Uh, the closest they've come is probably Curtis Joseph or uh, Grant Fiore, even Brian Elliott, uh, mm-hmm. just because of the run he had there for a couple of years. But yeah, truly no uh, no franchise goalie in in Blues history, which is kind of sad to think about, but, uh, you know, I mean, you look at a guy like Dominic Oshik and even though he went on to play for the, the Red Wings and the Senators and, uh, you know, you still at least got to, even though he didn't start his career in Buffalo, you still have to say that that's, I mean, that's a franchise goaltender right. and it's really cool that he's part of your, your history. Definitely. So speaking of franchise goaltenders, uh, 2014, big trade. Uh, the St. Louis Blues, uh, famously here in St. Louis. I'm not sure if you're aware of this either. Uh, Doug Armstrong, the Blues GM, he was asked a couple days before the trade went down, do you want to acquire Ryan Miller? And his response was that um, why would he acquire Ryan Miller? He's maybe 10% better than Yaroslav Halak. <laughs> and then just I, I a, remember something briefly about that. I do. I do remember something about that briefly. Yes. Yeah. We, so a couple of us in, in blues, in the blues universe, call him 10% now. Uh, we call <laughs> Doug funny. Armstrong 10%. Yeah. So, uh, so Armstrong uh, makes the big move, brings in Ryan Miller and Steve Ott in exchange for Yaroslav Halak, Chris Stewart, William, William Carrier, uh, a 2015 first and a 2016 third. Now at the time, St. Louis, again, divided. Uh, a lot of people said that was the final piece for a cup, uh, but then others were reminding the, other, the others were reminding uh, uh, those people that a goalie acquired midseason had only won the cup once, and that was Patrick Waugh. So that, uh, that was, and even to this day, because you know Ryan Miller walks, then Steve Ott gets a ridiculous contract extension <laughs> in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, but then you look at your side. You look at the Sabres. They they turn around and, and there's a hilarious YouTube video. You may have seen it. I'll try to remember to tweet it out when I air this episode. Um that uh of Yaroslav Halak, greatest moments of the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. And it was literally just a video of him sitting behind the glass. <laughs> yeah. It was uh oh it, was it Long Island? Was it the Islanders? I think it was Long Island, yeah. Yeah, yeah the yeah, one he dressed for the goalie couldn't. One game. The goalie, the goalie couldn't even sit with his team. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> he for one game and then was traded by the deadline. The deadline was a few days later. Yep. I remember yeah. that. And then another player, Chris Stewart, uh, not a very long career there in Buffalo, a nope. very big disappointment in St. Louis. I imagine it was the same in Buffalo. Correct. Yeah. I mean, he had, he had some of his moments here and there, but yeah, I mean, nothing to, I mean, I think it was a year and a half. He was here. Then he was shipped off to Minnesota. I mean, Hey, he got them two second round picks. So. You know, that's too. good. I guess I guess they'll take that part of it. Yeah, and then Carrier. You know, I liked Will Carrier. Uh, I, I was a little bit bummed out when they uh, when they had to give him to Vegas to protect Linus Allmark. Uh, you know, it is what it is. But you know, I, I liked Will Carrier. He uh, 
he was a good, you know, he's a, he's a good fourth line player and he was still a good fourth line player for Vegas when he stays healthy. That's kind of his issue, but yep. Uh, you know, not, not a bad acquisition there. And then uh, the first round pick, you know, that uh, I believe, I want to say that was the one that went to Winnipeg for Vander Kane. That sounds right. Either either went to Winnipeg for Vander Kane or that was the one that went to Ottawa for Robin Leonard. But either way, that, that first round pick was eventually traded. Mm. So, so again, you look at that. I mean, back in the day when, when Ryan Miller signs with the Vancouver Canucks that, that following offseason and really was not. I mean, he wasn't to blame for the Blues losing to the Blackhawks right. that, that year. But I that, yep. wasn't really a difference maker. Nope. Um, so, you know, Blues fans looked at that trade at the time and said, Okay, they just made a stupid trade. Look at that. They just lost a bunch of, you know, assets. But at at the end of the day, as a Buffalo Sabres person, would you say that the Blues really lost a lot there? Or would you say that no. um no? You'd say no. no. Okay. <laughs> no. No. No, I I think the Blues should make as many trades to the Sabres as they can. That's my honest opinion. Because it always <laughs> seems like they come out on top somehow, so <laughs> well, I can tell you're alluding to the next trade we're going to talk about. <laughs> and again, this is uh, this was something that um, we talked with you about actually last uh, uh, last uh, July when the trade went down. So Ryan O'Reilly, the lone player the Blues get, this was on July 1st of 2018. Sabres acquire Vladimir Saboka, Patrick Berglund, Tage Thompson, a 2019 first rounder and a 2021 second rounder. Now, I will tell you, the Blues fans' thoughts, we don't care what those draft picks turn out to be. This was a win for the St. Louis Blues just because yeah. of what they've been able to do this season. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, it looked, <laughs> it did look rough in the beginning. But, uh, yes. you know, it's funny how these the two organizations kind of went opposite directions. Where the Sabres looked really good in the beginning, and the Blues not so much, and then here we are three months later, and it's complete opposite. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no denying it. You know, it's a it's a trade that, uh, you know, I think Jason Bottle is going to have to wear like an anchor. Uh, you know, been going down each part of the Sabres. Uh, Patrick Berglund goes AWOL. You know, that, yep. that's, I mean, and part of that, in a way, works in their favor because then they get rid of that contract for free, which – Early on, sort of looked like a scary situation, but yes, you know that this it, it goes back to the coach that's here, uh, Housley, and he's seems way over his head and inept, and has no reason to come back to be the coach next season. Uh, put Bergman in a situation I've done before. I, I think before he left, he was at like I think it was like like seventy two percent defensive zone starts, which is ridiculous. Uh, and expecting that from a guy who's never done that, and then also expecting him to be productive two weeks into this, two weeks into the season, Housley is healthy, scratching him, and you know that only went to his angst, you know, which comes out later about the whole thing about Berlin not getting his no trade list in in time, and the Blues took advantage of that and traded him when they can. So, you know, he, he you know, we talked to that Swedish um, site a couple months ago. You know, he acknowledged I was part of it. He really wasn't happy to trade out of St. Louis. He wasn't happy the way that it went down. Uh, he just never really felt comfortable in Buffalo. And then I think his usage and uh, the way I think the way it went down, you know, was kind of it for him. And you know, he made a decision that this wasn't working. And you know, to his credit, lost a lot of money on the table just you know to take care of himself and do what he thought was right for himself. So I give him credit for that. And there's no animosity towards Berglund because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he's a human being too. He's got to do what's right for him and his family. So it is what it is there. And like I said, it helps the Sabres with their salary cap. So I guess that works out in the end, you know, um, Vladimir Saboka, I, I, he is maybe public enemy number one here in Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not at all kidding. He, uh, he's having one of the most, you know, I'm a big analytics guy. He's having probably, one of the most negatively impactful seasons I've seen in a long time. Uh, he's it's it's he, I mean, he's a healthy scratch now at the end of the season, um, but he was Housley's favorite for a while. Getting again, and not to Saboka's fault, getting these heavy defensive zone situations, which he really isn't good for. Uh, but there's been a lot of nights he was disengaged. I think he has like four goals this season, uh, especially on the stretch here. Just was like he didn't care at all. 
Uh, and so, you know, he was having interviews with the Czech media saying that he's not getting the minutes he deserves and he needs more minutes and this and that. That so, sounds familiar. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, if I'm the general manager next year, I waive him and I dare him to show up to camp and see if he doesn't go to Europe instead, but we'll see how that goes. And then the last, I guess, big piece that is Tage Thompson. And, and again, you know, for <laughs> a player of his age, uh, probably one of the most negatively impactful seasons of a player of his age, you know, it's, and really, I think the organization did him wrong. Uh, I think he should have been in the AHL the entire season. I don't think he was NHL ready. And it's funny, they sent him down about a week ago. And and I think two, and in two AHL games, I think he has four points. So, yeah. And in, you know, he, I think he has six goals all season in the NHL. So it's, he's he's that guy who maybe is too good for the AHL, but not good enough for the NHL. And, you know, he's a player that he's six foot six, but doesn't really know understand how to use his body yet. I think he could have used a full season in the AHL to learn all those things. Uh, maybe you guys know about this in St. Louis about how he's a toe drag master. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, that's his go-to here in Buffalo and it never worked, but you know, he has that big shot and you know, a player of his size or someone could teach him how to use his body, how to shoot the puck just one second quicker than he does. Um, you know, maybe there's something they can get out of it. So all in all, it looks like a really bad, a really bad situation for the Sabres. Now they have that 2021 20, second. Uh the first round pick right now is in question. Either that's gonna be uh Brandon Montour, which has been a really nice addition, uh going to the Anaheim, or they're gonna hang on to that pick depending on where the blues finish. So the stipulation with Anaheim is that the blues make are at least in the twentieth spot uh in the uh, draft order, St. Louis can decide between the San Jose pick, the Sabres have, and the Blues pick, whichever one is earlier. Uh, if St. Louis finishes below 20th, which a lot of Sabres fans are keeping the fingers crossed for, um, then the Sabres can retain that pick, and Anaheim gets the San Jose first-round pick. So so there's still some rooting interest here in Buffalo for rooting for the Blues to lose some games down the stretch so they can stay below 20th in the standings. And you know if they don't make it to the conference finals, uh, they can retain that pick then. Uh, it's at least a below 20 pick, and you know we'll we'll kind of see where it goes from there. But like I said, it's been robbery, a steal uh, for the Blues, and you know it, it is what it is. And you know I'm happy for Ryan. You know Ryan was a really good guy when I talked to him. Uh, he was always respectful for the media. He, you know, I think he got a bad rap for people. You know, with the whole lost love of the game thing, but who can blame him? I mean, I, I was equated to imagine going to your job every day and being around constant negativity. Uh, yeah. It would eventually wear on you. So, you know, good for Ryan. You know, I, I'm glad he's doing well. I'm glad he's rebounded with that team. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how the next few years go because, uh, you know, this, this seems like a similar path for Riley. He started out great in Colorado. And then after that, it kind of started to go downhill. Same thing happened in Buffalo. He had a great first year, and then after that, it's hard to slide downhill. So, you know, what's the goes for St. Louis? You know, I again, I hope it works out for him. I have no animosity towards Ryan. Uh, the Sabres realistically should have held on to him, I think, at least one more season because uh, then that forced Casey Middlestat into a role he wasn't ready for, and they're also paying for that too. So now this summer, unless the Sabres somehow luck again into Jack Hughes, which might not be impossible because they're two points out of – being the third worst team in the league. So that's definitely a conversation worth having, which is crazy. Uh, they're going to go out and look for a number two center this summer. So full circle, here we are. The Sabres are going to go out and make a Ryan O'Reilly trade, uh, but the other way to find themselves a second line center. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I think a lot of people here in St. Louis were very excited about Ryan O'Reilly. You know, we, we went into, and we even talked to you about this last summer that, <clears throat> excuse me, the one, two punch of, Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Shen down the middle right, yeah. was very exciting. And it's, it's, you know, and again, it's not, uh, maybe it's not, uh, you know, uh, try to think of an example. Maybe it's not Jack Eichel. Maybe it's not Connor McDavid, but I mean, mm-hmm. that's still two great centers. And then now we look at it, the two big trades that Doug Armstrong has made the last two years, 
are playing on the top line with Vladimir Tarasenko, and they're one of the best lines in hockey in, in Shen O'Reilly and Tarasenko. So it's really worked out for the Blues. I think um, I, I don't think this this was all what anyone was expecting to happen, especially Jason Botterill. I know Tage Thompson, and I think that he could still turn out to be a very serviceable uh, winger so for the Sabres. Yeah. And, and something we loved about him in St. Louis was uh, last year the Blues – Outside of Alexander Steen, they really didn't have anyone full time that wanted to shoot the puck. I mean, it was pass, 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 shoot the puck, guys. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it was just it was it was so frustrating to watch. Tage Thompson would wind up and shoot it every time he got it, and he does shoot it. He does shoot a lot, yeah, yeah. He shoots a lot, and that's that's what you want in somebody who uh, you can throw on a top six if uh, if he's not a passer. You want him shooting all the time, and that was something we loved, but. When he got moved in that trade, that was the one part where I think some people were like, I'd kind of like to see what he turns out to. But my issue with him is his skating. I think he's he's a little rough skating. I think he's kind of easy to knock off the puck, like you said, not yeah, using his body thing. properly. Yeah, right. yeah I, think, I think if he figures that out, you got a solid top six winger, a guy that could maybe in a pinch fill in on a line with Eichel. Yep. But um, – but yeah, right now I agree with you. I, I, from what I saw last season and from the little bit I've seen this season, not anything too exciting. And uh, hopefully he can figure it out down in the AHL. Yeah, and like I said, they they really I think they botched the development this year. You know, they Bottle was a big was a big uh, he is a big you know AHL is the way to go. Get your experience. Um, you know, he's done that with older players. You know, even a guy like Lawrence Pilot here, who's arguably the second best defenseman on this team. Uh, you know, he gets age all the time. Older guys get age all the time. And yet here we are with, with Thompson, you know, getting that, um, you know, being in the NHL the entire season and then being stuck, being stuck there and then not, not developing, not producing. And uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him in the summer. And if he does make the team out of camp next year, because I wouldn't be opposed to him getting some age all time, even starting next year, because I think he could use it. Uh, Chad, we love having you on the show. Um, and again, that is Chad D. Dominicis of the Die by the Blade. Uh, that That's part of SB Nation, is it not? Yeah, it's, it's, it's SB Nation Saber site. Yep. Okay, great. And then the Beyond the Blade podcast, which um, uh, go ahead and, Brag on it a little bit. What uh, if somebody were to tune into Beyond the Blade? What would they? Uh, what would they be expecting to hear? Uh, pain, suffering, uh, <laughs> complaining. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm only half kidding. Uh, you know, we, we try to have a good time with it. You know, it's you know, it, it's a long time of struggling bad hockey. So we, uh, you know, we always say that we know how to cover bad hockey. It's uh, when they're good is maybe when we get a little confused and lost. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we try to make a good time out of it. Uh, we are professionals now at talking about draft picks and bad seasons and people <laughs> to fire a player as a trade. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it, we, you know, we, we focus on Sabres talk. Uh, this year we even added, I guess you can say, a second podcast within the podcast. Uh, we have an Amherst podcast that focuses on our AHL team and the prospects. So, really, we kind of get a look at the AHL team, and then we talk about the Sabres. So, really, it's two podcasts a week. Uh, which has gone pretty well for us. So we we try to get the full coverage, full scope, have fun, be funny, uh, but also bring the knowledge of the Sabres to the best of our ability. And I think we do a good job with that, to be honest. How far are you guys from your HL affiliate in Rochester? 90 minutes. That's not bad. You guys nope. make it out there for a lot of games? Yeah, I, I try to. Uh, I, I made it to one or two this year. Um, you know, covering the Frozen Four here in next week, uh, that's kind of, I think, around the time when the AHL playoffs are going to start uh, for Rochester. So we'll see if I'm able to get down there. Um, hopefully they went around. And then I can kind of get down there and cover a few uh, AHL games because that'll be, that'll be fun. At least there's some playoff hockey within the, uh, within the region here that fans, if they want to see, it's a quick, like I said, 90-minute drive down the throughway. And, you know, you can get look at some prospects. And uh, it's also good for call-ups too because if you have a late, a late, thing happen they're just a quick drive in the throughway and then you'll, they'll be good for the game nice 
Uh, Chad, uh, how can people find you on social media? How can they find your show? And how can they find uh, Die by the Blade? Uh, so, yeah, Die by the Blade, the espionation right, yep. site. So dieblade.com is a website. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Die by the Blade. Uh, Beyond the Blade on Twitter is at BTB Hockey. Uh, we are anywhere that you can pretty much hear a podcast. iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're everywhere. And then myself uh, on Twitter at CMDDominicis, D-E-D-O-M-I-N-I-C-I-S. And if you want to hear me uh, fight with people about the tank from five years ago, because that's all we do in Buffalo. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter for that fun conversation because we love to rest, reminisce about old things in Buffalo and never let them go. Yes, yeah, I hear you. We that's actually <laughs> all we do on this show. We uh, <laughs> we we I, it's funny because we'll, we'll be talking about a game and all of a sudden we'll go down a rabbit hole and five minutes later we're like, wait, wait a minute, why are we talking about you know uh, a play Chris Pronger made in 1999? You know, it's. Uh, I hear you on that. We could probably have a whole show just uh, just jumping down a rabbit hole of NHL history. Right. <laughs> right. Well, Chad, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, not at any time, man. I, you know, I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, if you want to rub that O'Reilly trade in my face this summer, let me know. We can definitely talk again. We will do that plenty of times. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry. Sounds good, man. Well, I again want to thank Chad for coming on. Uh, make sure you check out the Twitter handles for our show. The show Twitter is at LGB Radio. Kirk Price is at Kirk Price. Billy Day. Billy Day. See, I never really call him Billy, but, you know, it's his handle. It's hard not to. Billy Blue Note is Bill Day. And then myself, Jeff Ponder, is at jponder94. Our next show, as I said, will be this coming Friday, the week of three shows. Chris Faber from CanucksArmy.com and the Canucks Conversation Podcast will be on. We talk about the Vancouver Canucks and the St. Louis Blues history. And, yes, a lot of that uh, has to do with, well, the the old Todd Bertuzzi days, which, uh, oh, God, I hated those teams. And, uh, of course, we talk about uh, Pedersen versus Bennington for the Calder. So that was a fun one to do. Make sure you don't miss that one on Friday. Well, that will conclude this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, everyone, let's go Blues. Play Gloria. Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day.